market. The S&P stops. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast where we don't look back in anger, but we do prefer companies that get back in black. Boom, boom. I'm Andrew Page, and with me is Scott Phillips. Good Andrew, good day, fools. Today, the end of earnings season. We've followed it uh, through till now. Let's have a look at the major themes. Love it or hate it, it is done, and we're going to see who the big winners and losers were. Next, will the US Fed raise rates? It's been talked about for a while, uh, and does it matter? Next, what's new with our new $5 note? And finally, we bang the drum on car leases. So, Scott, earnings season. We've talked a bit about it over the uh, the past few weeks we as, as some of the bigger numbers have rolled on in. Um, now, first thing to mention, I guess, is it's not every single listed company that reports, is it? No, it's not. Look, earnings season is called that because it's when most companies report. Twice a year, August and February, we've just finished the August reporting season. For most companies, that's their end of financial year results. Mm-hmm. Now, the ASX require companies to report their results by the end of the second month after the close of their financial year. Right. Most companies close their financial year, some their half year on June 30. Yep. Well, fast forward two months. That means by August 31, you must have given the ASX your numbers or you can't keep trading on the ASX. They suspend your shares. And so if your, your company finished their, their half year or their full year on June 30, mm. they have to have reported by the end of August 31. Mm. There's actually 24 different reporting cycles, would you believe, if you go across all of the ASX. I didn't know that. Interesting trivia tip. There, there. you go. Uh, there's a bit of a theme that uh, was talked a bit about this year that, this, this idea that the later or the closer you get to that deadline, the worse the results tend to be. You think there's any truth in that? No, complete rubbish. Well, well Harvey Norman had a cracker of results. Yeah. They were on the last day. It's a, it's a really good point. Look, media, the media, well, some, some of us in the media are cynics. Uh, some of us like to be a little bit a little bit negative about things, but there's only a lot of truth to it. So, look, let, let's be honest. If you're a small company, you're a really tiny tiddler on the ASX, your shares worth a few million bucks, You've probably got you know two or three people in your finance department. You've got a really, really complex full year financial report to prepare. Mm. There are literally tens and hundreds of pages worth of reporting you need to do. It just takes a lot of time. If you've got a team of, if BHP have a team of, I don't know, God knows how many hundred people in their finance department, you can get an annual report together pretty quickly. Mm. If you've got a very simple business, you can get the report together pretty quickly. Mm. If you're a tiny little company, it's going to take you two months because you've a you've got the rest of your business to run. And then you've just got to get through a whole lot of stuff. So look, it, it tends to be the smaller companies that report later. Mm. I don't hold that against them. Mm. Uh, if you're a negative, you're a cynic, you might say, well, look, they're doing it because they're trying to hide it or something else. There's some truth. You can only that hide some, it for so long though, can't you? There's some truth that in some circumstances. Yeah. There are companies that try and report after balance, as late as they can at night, or those that report on a Friday hoping no one will notice because they're all at the pub. Um, mm. it, it's, it's true to some degree. As you said though, Andrew, two of the big biggest you know success stories of the reporting season, Harvey Norman and Freedom Foods reported the last couple of days of the financial year mm. to really strong results. Harvey Norman was an absolute cracker. Yeah, wasn't it? What? So what do you think some of the other major themes that we saw there were? What what's some what are some of the things that really stood out? Yeah, a couple. Let's start with let's start with the industries that won or lost. Yep. Uh, so a real mixed bag for consumer discretionary. Mm. We, we call consumer discretionary. So those companies that you don't have to spend your money with. You, you know, Woolies you might have to go and spend your money with. Coles you got to spend your money with. Buy your groceries. You don't have to buy that new shirt or that new device or whatever. Yep. Um, JV Hi-Fi had a good result. Harvey Norman had a cracking result. Mm. They did pretty well. Um, Flight Center had a relatively ordinary result, mm. although the, the revenue was okay. So up and down in the consumer discretionary. The miners really struggled. Health, aged care in particular, was a really bad result. Awesome. Um, 
companies yeah. like you may have heard of like Estia or Japara. Mm. If they don't ring a bell, don't worry. They're basically the providers of aged care homes. They really, really struggled. On the flip side, someone like a Ramsey Healthcare, an Australian private hospital operator that's doing a spectacular job expanding around the world, had another cracking result. These are expensive shares, but gee, they've been worth it. The company just continues to make every post a winner. The Is banks it, had a bit of a struggle too, didn't they, this year? There was a bit of a, a pressure on their margins there. I mean, they've had such a long and lucrative run, but it, it, it looks as though things are getting a bit tougher for them. Look, I think that's true. I think we, uh, look, look, we're the Motley Fool aren't big fans of the banks, and so we're probably likely to see every negative result as a, as a terrible thing. Um, it, very, very fair to say the results were pretty ordinary. Mm. They weren't bad. They were just pretty ordinary, that you know, pretty flat, up a little bit, down a little bit. Um, they weren't big losses. They weren't big write-downs, mm. but they really genuinely were pretty ordinary results. The results that, frankly, just bank shareholders need to be aware of because the, the future is going to be very, very tough for the banks. Mm. You won't necessarily lose a fortune. There's always a chance, of course, but you won't make a fortune either. The banks aren't going to be able to deliver in the future what they have in the past, as we've said before. Yeah, it's going to be, the next 10 years going to be very different from the last, I think. Indeed. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Let's move on if we can, Scott. Let's now go across to the US. Uh, Across the pond. Across the pond. Man, does this get talked about a lot. What is the US Fed Reserve (laughs) going to do? Are they going to raise rates? Man, it has been... look. We saw the we saw the U.S. Fed funds rate. So this is the interest rate set by the central bank over in the U.S. It was around five percent uh, in two thousand and nine. We obviously had the the GFC or the the um, the Great Recession as they call it over there. Things plummeted down to 025 percent, and they sat there for years and years and years and years. A little while back, they nudged that up to a massive. 0.5%. And now all the, now, you know, all the pundits are, are, are trying to, you know, call for the next one. Right. So let's, let's go back a step here. Um, good idea. Uh, why does it matter what the Fed funds rate is? <laughs> I think that's a good point, Andrew. You know, people in the media, people in the financial sphere like us, we talk a lot about this sort of stuff. And I have to say, I, I have every, every conviction that most people are thinking, why the hell are you guys talking about this and why are you boring me with this sort of conversation? And it's a really valid question. They might think that every week. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I mean, other people other than us, but, okay, but that's right. a fair point. <laughs> uh, if you're still listening, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Um, look, when it comes to the, the US funds rate, the, 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 there's a couple of things. The first is that the US economy remains the world's consumer, remains the world's powerhouse economy. And so where the US economy goes, goes the world economy. Yes, China is growing. Yes, other countries are important. They simply don't hold a candle to the U.S. Where the U.S. goes, goes the world. And so, frankly, we should care. We need, you know, at least know what's going on. We can't influence it, by the way. Um, but, but you know, it's kind of if, if you if you want to know where your where your next meal is coming from, look to the U.S. because that's going to tell you. On the other hand, other hand, where U.S. rates go goes to some degree the Australian dollar, and so it's also for our exporters and importers in particular. Mm. Um, you know, it it does matter. It matters a lot, and it does have some small impact. On the Australian interest rates. So for those three reasons, it's worth caring about what the US Fed, Federal Reserve, our version, their version, I should say, of our Reserve Bank does with interest rates. Now, generally speaking, um, the Federal Reserve, like our Reserve Bank, is going to cut interest rates when the economy is doing it tough. It's it's a stimulus of sorts. It's there to sort of prime the pump, for want of a better word, really yes. to, to sort of encourage investment and spending. Or, or, or to, to increase rates, God forbid, if we ever get in a situation where things are going too fast and they want to slow things down. Right. But I guess what I'm going to put to you is this. If the US is considered, and these are historic lows, and they're now saying, you know what, things are, are going okay, 
it's time to put it back up. Now, I, I guess no one likes a higher interest bill and there are consequences as to what it means for the dollar and markets and the rest of it. But right. isn't, it, isn't it better, all else being equal, that we have a strong economy with higher interest rates as opposed to an economy that's struggling but with really, really low interest rates? Yes, absolutely. And so frankly, most of the financial industry, when you hear these headlines from talking heads and hopefully not us, but other people who talk about interest rates, they're talking their books. They, they are telling you what they want to know. Mm. Um, they, they are arguing for things that help them rather than genuinely are good for the economy. Mm. And, and the good news is for us that our reserve bank governors, the Fed reserve chairs, they do what's best for the economy, not just best for the talking heads and, and the financial sector. So when the financial guys talk about that, I want rates going up. It's because they've normally got highly leveraged debts, and right. and they, you know, they've got a lot of debt. And frankly, if rates go up, the debt costs more to service. It costs yeah. more to pay back. Yeah. That's a that's a big deal. That's a that's a problem. Also, they're making bets about future exchange rate movements, and yeah. they're saying, well, you know, that, so look, it matters to them for a whole lot of stupid reasons that shouldn't matter to the rest of us mm. in the in the real economy. Mm. Yes, absolutely. When rates go up, that is a sign that the any of those central bankers are saying the economy is now in a much better position. It can cope with higher rates. Remembering, of course, in the US, a neutral rate is somewhere around two-ish percent. Mm. Here, the neutral rate's closer to 4%, at least historically. Mm. Um, and so when you've got rates in the US of 0.5, if it goes from 0.5 to 0.75, mm. what they're saying is, this is still dramatically stimulatory. Yeah. It's much, much lower than, than usual. Yeah. It's just less than we need. So it's still, it's not even to your point, saying the economy's in such great shape, we need to slow things down. It's simply saying, we've got the pumps primed full on. We've got the throttle fully open. Mm. We need to close it just a little bit and slow down that pace of acceleration because we don't want to create problems down the track. Very quickly, you mentioned it's a, an interconnected world. It so is. the US is you know, more likely to raise, um, as, certainly as opposed to being uh, cutting the rates over there. But what about the RBA? Does what they do, is that likely to mean that we're going to see higher interest rates here at home? Yeah, the, the, it's a great question, Andrew. The, the exchange rates are a funny thing. Exchange rates are influenced by a whole lot of factors, but predominantly by a couple of things. The first is the difference in economic growth between two countries. Mm -hmm. And the second is the difference in their exchange rate, sorry, in the interest rate between those two countries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the Australian dollar at 75 odd US cents as we talk, um, is there partly because of the difference in the growth rate between the Australian and US economies mm. and partly because of the differential in the interest rate, as mm. I said. Mm. Now, as the US increases its rates, that should have, all else being equal, downward pressure on the Australian exchange rate. Mm. And so instead of being 75 cents, hopefully the RBA thinks and many exporters think, maybe the dollar falls to 74 or 73 cents over time. The lower the Australian dollar goes, the better it is for our exporters, the more expensive it makes imports. Um, that means we pay more for televisions and computers, by the way. But what yep. it means is those people exporting, our wheat farmers, our manufacturers, our tourism and education providers, they become more competitive for overseas. And what that does is boost our economic growth. So the RBA is saying, well, if I'm going to boost growth by cutting rates, I can only do that so far. We're already at a pretty low rate now. Mm. What I can do instead, though, is hope and, and wait. Once the US starts increasing rates, that should push the, our dollar down, all else being equal. That should be much better for our economy, should support economic growth, should be good news for our exporters. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Now, this is a money podcast, and uh, some of our money is going to ch has changed, in fact. Now, As of yesterday. The $5 notes specifically. So it's, yes. it's gotten a bit of a makeover. Uh, still mostly purple. Uh, the Queen still features on it. Indeed. Um, but Parliament some, House on the back. Parliament House on the back. But there is something new and kind of cool about it, right? There is. Look, the new $5, if you haven't seen it, Phil's, it was kind of mostly purple. Now it's kind of some weird... I don't want to be unkind, Andrew, but Technicolor yawn comes to mind. I have to tell you, there's some, there's some orange, there's some yellow, there's some pink and purple and 
Groovy. Yeah, it, well, groovy is one way. Look, it's <laughs> it's um it, it's an interesting looking note. It'll look very familiar to you. It, it's kind of close enough to the old five dollar note to, to be recognisable with a few new features. Um, it's got some bright yellow wattle. Uh, it's got the first coloured or sorry clear I should say strip top to bottom as a security feature. Some of the things as per the current five dollar note do change when you move it in the light. Little like the old hologram that oh, we yeah. used to yeah, have yeah. as kids, the hologram cards. Yeah. Um, the, the five dollar note still has that, but there is one brand new feature which is pretty cool. Um, the new $5 note has a couple of raised bumps mm-hmm. and it's the first time an Australian banknote will be able to be read by people who are vision impaired without the use of another tool or device to do it. So it basically makes that yeah. currency more usable for those people who can't see well. Why just the five? I mean, you know, if I, if I had trouble seeing, I'd really want to make sure that I wasn't paying for my chewing gum with a hundred dollar note or a $50 note. <laughs> Why are we just doing the $5 note? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. The, the answer is that the, these notes actually only change every so often. And okay. so there's simply just a, a reality of as, as, as bank notes change, we're going to see changes in, um, in, in, in that technology. You will find over the fullness of time, each of the new bank notes as they roll out, um, that will change. That'll be particularly, um, just yeah, $5 now, I don't know what's next. I imagine probably the 10, but I don't yeah, know for sure. Right. As they look, they review them for security, they review them for use. And in this case, it was a schoolboy, Connor McLeod, who, um, who we should call out, who's vision impaired, who basically wrote to wrote to the RBA governor and said, dude, I get you got these banknotes things. Can we not just have a couple of raised dots on there to tell those of us who are vision impaired which note we're holding without having to resort to, quite, frankly, quite clever devices, but external devices that otherwise make our lives harder. You're going to pay, as you say, for your chewing gum. If you're vision impaired, you want to know. And, and that's, so they're starting that process. Really, really cool. I'm pretty sure it's a world first, a very much a first for Australia. A first, okay. um, and just, just yeah. a, a really cool feature. You know what? It, it's, it's one of the things that you kind of think, well, why was it done before now? Maybe a technology, maybe something else. Yeah. But in this case, the first bank note that can be uh, read without, without aid uh, by the visually impaired, which I think is pretty cool. I've got to imagine it, 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 there's a consideration there for things like vending machines. If I'm, if I'm paying, you know, slipping a $5 note in a machine, it's got raised bumps. I mean, do you have to account for that? That would have been a bit of a challenge with it. Yeah. Oh, look, I think, I think that, you know, the, the brow bumps are pretty small. Um, frankly, I, I, I am, I'm in awe of people who can actually read these things with using braille. Um, if you've ever felt a, a, a braille, um, I mean, you see them on lifts and that sort of stuff. Yep. You see them around, but actually on paper, the the, the bumps are really they're not raised that far, yeah, and they're okay. pretty close together. The, the sensitivity you have to have in your fingers to be able to work that stuff out and read read braille at any speed. I it, it, look, it's obviously a learned skill, uh, but it's pretty bloody impressive. Value stocks, market, stock market, index, share market. This is Motley Fool Money. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Scott, let's talk about car leases. Exciting topic. Are you selling me your car or uh, giving me yours? Uh, well, I'm 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 gonna try and lease you a car. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> not a snowflakes chance in hell. Well, why not? A lot of people do it. There's a lot of oh, business, a lot of listed businesses that kind of specialize in this kind of thing. So I can like leasing anything, I can buy it outright or I can lease it, and there are advantages with, with leasing it, right? You could, but you wouldn't, would you? I wouldn't. No, good. <laughs> I, I would hope not. Why wouldn't we? Look, you know. Car leases are really seductive. You say there's businesses that listed businesses that do that. There's also listed businesses that part you from your money in poker machines and gambling tables too. So let's not pretend just because they're listed businesses that it's necessarily the best for our financial future. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, look, a car lease is a is a really useful and very seductive way to buy a new car. Okay. For a little bit of money down, you do okay. You, you don't have to pay the full value of the car. You pay it over time. Kind of the old lay by thing. But you get to drive the car up front, right? Which right. seems pretty cool. The problem is a couple of fold. The first is that when you're paying a car off, the balloon payment is normally between 40 and 60%. Balloon payment. 
In mean? other words, you've paid the car off for three, four or five years. Yep. At the end, you've still got to find somewhere between 40 and 60% of the car's original value. Right. So you haven't paid it off over that So it's time. not like a lease in the sense that I just have it until I stop paying it. I'm still on the hook for, for paying a paying out yes the, it's, the not, it's, it's, not, it's not it's not a true rental gotcha that being said even with those pure lease so that's the first thing with a pure lease though where you pay an amount of money at the end of the lease you don't have a car right you're obliged to take on another lease or buy another car or do something else okay. so what you effectively end up doing yeah look month one month two month three you get a brand new car you're paying 800 600 thousand bucks you think well that's pretty sweet i get a yeah. brand new car it costs me a thousand bucks a month that's all right yeah even for the life of the first lease the first couple of years it still comes out pretty well yeah End of that lease, you've got to go either go buy a new car or take out a new lease. And there's a whole lot of people listening to this probably, and apologies if you are, who've had lease, car leases for 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah. If you paid a thousand bucks a month for 30 years, yes, you've always had a new car to drive, but trust me, don't calculate how much that's cost you because you will be absolutely killing yourself. You will have paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. But don't I get like, I, I get a new car, car all the time. Yeah. I get a bunch of extras thrown in with that as well. Not I get really, things no. like servicing and, and, and which whatnot. you're paying for as part of the rolled up price. Yeah. And, and I, you know, if I buy a car, I've got this huge capital outlay on day one. Yes. I've got all the maintenance costs on. This is just easy. I pay a, a little bit each month. I get all of that. I've always got a new car and there are, there are uh, salary sacrifice type advantages ah, as the well. Old tax savings. There was tax nothing, saving. There was nothing an Australian likes more than to save a bit of money on tax. Even if you have to cut off your nose to spite your face. Screw right? how much it costs me in the process. If I can save a couple of bucks in tax, I will spend thousands of dollars to try and get all that, <laughs> that little bit of tax saving. Mate, look, yes, those are all in the pro column, but yep. they're, not, not, they're not true advantages because it costs you a fortune to do. If you paid a thousand bucks a month for a year, that's 12 grand a year. Mm. You pay that for 20 years, mm. that's a quarter of a million bucks. Mm. Yes, you've always had a new car to drive, but... For a quarter of a million bucks, yeah, you could you could have bought a car for twenty five, fifty grand, yeah, right day one, yeah, and driven it for fifteen years, yeah. You spent fifty grand for fifteen years, <laughs> or you've spent one hundred eighty grand for fifty. Like it's it, it's you've always got to look madness. at the other half of the equation. Someone's offering you this because it's a good deal for them, right? Yeah, and look, it is. It, yes, <laughs> that's the long and the short of it. Yeah. They're offering it to you because they can make some money doing it. I get it's attractive to buy a new car, to drive a new car. We'd all like to do that. If you want a new car save some money, buy yourself a new car, save the lease costs and hold on to it for a few years. Make it, make it work for you. You will spend an absolute squillion dollars. You'll be sitting here. Some people listening to this right now, Andrew, are saying, but I love my new car. I get it. I really do. Just, and if, if that's your decision, that's fine. But you've got to then add to that and I will be financially worse off because of it and I'm happy with that. Mm -hmm. If that's truly your view, that's fine. Go for it. Don't convince yourself. Don't try and don't try and justify it to yourself by saying, "Oh, but it's a lease. But I'm saving money. But I'm saving tax." A leased car will cost you a fortune compared to buying a car, driving it for a good number of years, trading it eventually when it's ready to be traded in. Yep. But if you keep just upping and upping and upping money every year to to have this new car to drive, you are costing yourself a fortune. And frankly, if you waste a couple hundred grand over ten or twenty years. That'll cost you probably half a million dollars or a million bucks by the time you retire, depending on how old you are today mm. in terms of opportunity Foregone, costs. Yeah. If you'd invested that money instead, you could be a millionaire. Yeah. You said you bought a new, if you've driven a new car, are you really sure you want to make that trade-off? Yeah, absolutely. All right. That sound you hear is me stepping off my hobby horse. <laughs> Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Quickly before we go, speaking of uh, investments, uh, perhaps a, a better one than, than a car lease would be a legacy badge. I see you've got one on. A much better one, thank you. And yes, a, a much better one. And Phils, we don't we don't do much uh, much preaching here at the uh, at the Motley Fool Money microphones. But today, as we record this, is September two. It's Legacy Badge Day. Um, legacy do a wonderful job supporting uh, the families of our deceased veterans, those who have served in our name and who've who've died as a result of their injuries or at war. 
uh, fools, a really, really important cause, a really, really worthwhile cause. Um, whether or not you're listening to this on, on September 2nd, if you are, please duck outside of the office or the home or whatever. Go and buy yourself a legacy badge. If you're not, if you're listening to this after this, please go to legacy.com.au, make a donation. Um, we get nothing from it, of course, but uh, one, of the, one of the very best causes out there, uh, the families of our deceased veterans deserve your support. So if you have the opportunity and you can afford to, please go to Legacy and give them your support. And speaking of uh, tax advantages, if, if, you, if you're after a bit of a tax advantage, there's one way to get one, right? One of the best ways. Get, get, <laughs> take the money you were spending on a car lease and donate the money to Legacy <laughs> instead. Well you, you'll get the same deduction, you'll feel better, and frankly, you'll still save yourself money. Well, that's us done for another week. Don't forget, as always, you can subscribe to Triple M's Motley Fool Money through iTunes or through the uh, whatever your favorite Android podcast app is. Uh, and of course, you can go to triplem.com.au forward slash podcasts. Uh, and if you can, help us out. Give us a, a rating and tell your friends. A five-star rating. A five-star rating, of course. Yes, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for listening in, Fools. We'll be back with another dose, dose of foolishness next week. Until then, my name's Andrew Page. And I'm Scott Phillips. Full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.